You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, ESPN Milwaukee Bucks reporter. Joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of Brew Hoop, Frank Madden. Frank, season's over. I guess it was fitting. I ended up, uh, we had friends over for dinner tonight, planned that a while back, and so I ended up watching on DVR, and um, you talked often about wanting a fast-forward button on the season (laughs) during the regular season, and um, I found myself fast forwarding through not just commercials, but much of the uh, latter half stages of the fourth quarter. And um, I, I guess in many ways it was fitting tonight. You know, I mean, this game kind of went was was kind of a good analogy for the entire series, which was kind of a good analogy for the entire season. Kind of bucks, you know, the starters did did find a start. Bench then basically gives up a big lead and. Um, the Bucks basically spend the entire rest of the game just trying to play catch up and couldn't get over the hump in this game and you know this series as well. Um, every every road game they lost, every home game they won, and ultimately the Celtics had more home games and you know the Bucks could never play from the front in this series. And other than you know that fifteen ten lead early on, they could never play from the front in this game. And you know that that's been just a killer all all series long playing from behind in, in Boston. And unfortunately. Um, you know, not the entire same story as far as who who actually contributed tonight versus uh, all these other games, but pretty similar cast of characters. And um, unfortunately, role players played pretty much no role in this game other than than losing, helping lose it for the Bucks. And um, unfortunately, uh, you know, this was I don't think uh, this was a letdown. You know, this was this was a disappointing way to end a disappointing season. And again, um, you know, game seven, you, you hope that your team can play at its best. And clearly the Bucks didn't do that tonight. I'm not sure anything could be more fitting than the Bucks finding a way to suffocate the Celtics offense for the middle portion of this series. Three, four, five, six. They figured it out. Switch everything. Yeah. And, you know, just don't let them get those easy attempts. Like, don't give them a head of steam. Don't give them any space. Like, just keep switching and going through everything and like just keep doing that. And then on the first possession of game one, the first basket scored by the Boston Celtics, Don Maker shows and recovers, sits in no man's land, and Al Horford gets an alley-oop finish over the top. Those are the first two points of the game. And in my head, as I was watching it, I thought, man, haven't seen Thon miss uh, miss a coverage in a. It feels like this entire series. I can't believe that he would miss that right at the start of the game. Then the second possession happened, and he was in no man's land again. And I thought, huh, 
That's two possessions. Then I watched the whole first quarter. And the Bucks weren't switching that middle of the floor action. The Bucks decided that they were going to go back to the coverage that got killed in game one and game two. And for the life of me, I can't think of a reason. I, I can't. I, I don't know if there was some thought that you were going to surprise the Celtics. Um, I, it's such a mind-bogglingly bad decision that I, I've thought since the, and we're recording this a little bit later after the game, it's almost 11 now, I've thought about it since the game ended. Thought about the entire first half, the entire game. I, I can't, I, I can't think of an excuse. I can't think of any reason why you would do that after you totally shut down the Celtics for three or four games in a row. In, in games five and game six, the Celtics had a terrible offense reign, under 100. I think it was 97 or lower in both those games. And you change what you do in game seven. And I just don't get it. And then, on top of that, you go 11 deep. I, yeah, Prenty Prenty panicked pretty pretty early. I mean, this was uh, at opening tip. At opening tip, he changed. Like I don't. I think I. It was the exact same thing as in as in game two when they go eleven deep in that game, and there was adjustments to adjustments that weren't made. Like let them let them tear you up as you switch everything before deciding to totally change your coverages. And again, like it's just totally fitting. That the Bucks season would end as the defensive scheme that they decide to employ in the final game of the season just makes no goddamn sense. Yeah, and the irony is the whole point of that is to, you know, a lot or at least a lot of that is that in theory, well, you're not gonna let them get mismatches with, you know, Horford on guards or something like that, right? Because you're gonna play straight up. But Horford goes thirteen for seventeen, and <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned that that early alley oop. I mean, he must have had a few, a couple more of those at least. Where yep. um, the Bucks just got centers, bigs caught in no man's <laughs> land, and guys just rolled straight down the middle of the paint. And um, and then I have some hope. I have some hope, Frank. I think to myself, oh, you know what? They'll see the air of their ways in the first half. They'll come out in the third quarter and they'll go back to the switches, and one of the very first possessions, there's Thon in no man's land, a bounce pass to Al Horford, he goes uncontested through the lane for an easy two. And it's just like, you've got to be kidding me. Like how One, how could you, that have been your strategy? And then two, how at halftime did you not see it and make an adjustment? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm just at a total loss. Yeah, and... Uh... I don't know. I mean, the story of this game obviously was that the Bucks couldn't stop the Celtics in, uh, especially in the second half, right? I mean, they basically had a good second quarter defensively. They outscored them twenty-five to twenty in the second quarter to make it competitive, and then they get a good start to the third quarter where Bledsoe comes out and continue to make shots, which um, you know was not is not something we've been able to say basically at all this series, other than maybe a little bit in game, I guess game three, um, and. Yeah, 31 points, 31 points, last two quarters. Um, interesting. I mean, the Celtics still only shot 9 out of 26 from three. 
They were only 13 out of 21 from the free throw line. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they weren't great, but no. um, they were 45 out of 84 overall from the field, 54%. And they did get 11 offensive rebounds. So they um, kind of got back to getting second chances, largely because of Aaron Baines. 15 minutes, five offensive rebounds on, on his own. And uh, unfortunately, you know, all that adds up to 119 offensive rating for the Celtics um, and just a 102 for, for the Bucks. who, um, you know, can, can we take a detour into positivity and say Chris Middleton, Jeez. shout out. I mean, Middleton, 11 out of 18, five out of nine from three, five, five from the line, 32 points. Um, he was, again, like the only guy keeping them from making it like a 20. I mean, if, if he doesn't make threes in the fourth quarter, I don't know. What is it like a 25 point blowout? Um, tried to keep it at least vaguely respectable. (laughs) They got got it to 12 with two minutes left and Jason Terry came back from a timeout. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, Terry, I mean, Snell, what Snell airballs a corner three and then Prunty decided that Tony Snell wasn't going to play anymore, which again, I don't think anybody's going to be necessarily losing sleep over Tony Snell not playing anymore, but I am. It's it's beyond. Well, it's it's uh, it yeah. I mean, any, it's so so stupid. You saw, you saw him last year. Like he's someone that thrives on you having confidence in him and playing him and dealing with the good and the bad. And you bench from three minutes into a game. Yeah, and I mean the, the he was minus eleven in those three minutes. So obviously the Celtics went on their big run. But you know, again, like is is Snell the reason that defense like you can't play defense with Tony Snell. No, of course Snell's actually, you know, generally one of your so- solid defenders. Um playing a Deli, Snell, Parker, Zeller, Giannis lineup, that might be the reason for it. Yeah. Well and and you look at it, um the starters, Middleton was even, Maker was plus eight, Bledsoe was plus three, Brogdon minus seven, and Giannis minus sixteen. So it was really those Giannis plus bench lineups that were the murder, right? Parker yep. was minus 24, Zeller minus 13 in four minutes, Delhi minus 21 in eight minutes. Um, I mean, I, again, like we talked about the other day, but I mean, Delhi's like inability to like dribble and do anything against like pressure um, kind of was really obvious in today's game. Um, he like airballed the three. But the Bucks could not do anything offensively, and and again, like defensively, expect them to be better. You know, when Delhi's on the court than they were. Um, but you know, Delhi kind of looked like the guy that people typically have complained about, right? The guy who just sort of looks unplayable at times. And again, like he had a very short leash, so you know, who knows, right? But um, yeah, I mean, it, it was uh, it was pretty startling how how much you know Prunty really kind of just. And again, like if you're playing your best players, and then that's obviously one thing. But um, it, it was kind of strange to see <laughs> Terry randomly play 20 minutes tonight, and, um, and and just sort of like all the weird, you know, Jason Kidd, Joe Prunty reflexes like kicking in hardcore, and um, yeah, it was tough. The short leashes for the bench should not equal more bench minutes. Like, if you're going to have a short leash leash with with your bench players in the playoffs, play your starters. Run them into the ground. Like, if that's really the way that you want to go, go with it. Like, totally commit to it and just play your starters the whole game. 
go eight man rotation with three of those dudes playing forty plus minutes. Like I, I just, I don't know. And again, like this isn't. I feel like for a while now, I've just kind of dealt with crummy tactics in coaching and like you you get used to it like you understand that yeah the bucks aren't going to move the ball a lot offensively they're not going to move players around a lot offensively defensively the scheme is flawed but there was just for me this hope because in games three through six it felt like joe had kind of figured a lot of that out he kind of understood hey I'm going to ride the starters. I'm not going to play 11 guys. I'm going to switch all these things defensively. And just to see it all come rushing back in do-or-die game seven is, man, I'm struggling to get over it. Yeah. um, What was your take on Giannis tonight? He goes 7 out of 17 from the field. I think he missed his last four shots. I think a couple of those were threes and late in the fourth quarter when he's kind of forcing stuff, um, nine boards, five assists, steal block, four turnovers, five fouls. It was minus 16 and 22 points in 42 minutes. Um, I mean, unfortunately, I mean, I, early in the day, I mean, my, I had sort of, I held out, you know, hopes that maybe this, maybe Giannis could take over in this game and, you know, put together a, a phenomenal sort of, you know, first, you know, kind of like the crowning Giannis, first crowning Giannis playoff moment. Yep. Um, that definitely did not happen. Um, he wasn't bad, bad. Um, but he was clearly not, I mean, he wasn't even the Bucks' best player, let alone the game's best player. Um, and so this probably will, I mean, this will stick with Giannis, you know, I mean, again, he's five years in, hasn't won a playoff series and has never had a better chance than this. And obviously, um, you know, had generally played a, a, a good series, you know, he wasn't, I don't think he was like a lot, you know, he kind of was like usual Giannis in this series. Um, and unfortunately, you know, started slowly today, got it going a little bit, um, but never, you know, really kind of took control of this game. Um, and uh, again, you know, defense was was solid on him, didn't give him anything easy. Bucks have zero fast break points overall. I mean, that that's a huge, <laughs> a yep. huge number to see. They get outscored seven nothing on fast break and sixty to forty six in the paint. You know, if the Bucks lose those. Uh, they're they're not going to win the game because um, those are areas where they have to have to generally do well. And obviously Giannis, um, you know, could never get those easy kind of cheap buckets. Uh, Middleton did give him a couple of alley oops um, to to get some some get going a little bit. But um, you know, a mostly forgettable night for Giannis in a game seven, where uh, obviously you would would have hoped a, a bigger performance from him could have propelled the Bucks to to something big. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you listened to his comments after the game. Um, uh, it sucks. This this was such a golden opportunity to win a playoff series for the Bucks. Golden opportunity for Giannis to put his stamp on the playoffs and and get his first series win. And instead, he's going to have to wait till year six. Yeah, this felt like uh, it felt like it had the makings of a moment. I talked about it during our game six preview, and I, I tweeted out that clip. Like this could have been. Uh, kind of like a narrative breaker, right? Like game five happens. Is Giannis too passive? Is he afraid of the moment or whatever other bullcrap stuff people say? And then it, game six happens and Giannis is aggressive. He gets to his spots. He figures out, you know, kind of a way to get around it. He hits some jumpers and 
you know, he has a great game six, and then that would have been set up for game seven, go into the garden in Boston and just put your stamp on this game and, you know, kind of take over and show everyone you're one of the baddest dudes on the planet. And that largely didn't happen. And I just thought this was one of those somewhat textbook passive Giannis games where he picks up a second foul in the first half on the earliest side of things. And then all of a sudden he can't be as aggressive as he wants defensively. You talked about the fast break points, so he can't be out trying to go for steals. He doesn't feel like he can try to block as many shots. And then offensively, he's not quite as aggressive because he's scared of getting that charge. And then, I mean, that it just kind of snowballs for him. And we see, I mean, anytime there's a game like this for Giannis, that's, I mean, I think almost 75-80% of the time, it's going to be because he picked up a second foul earlier in the game than he's comfortable with and got himself in trouble. And then tonight he picks up that third foul, which was just not a good foul. It's just a silly foul. that There was there was no reason to chuck uh, Marcus Smart there. And whether or not Marcus Smart flopped, I know Bucks fans were in my mention saying it was a flop, but, I mean, he, he drove his shoulder clearly into... Marcus Smart as he was coming through the lane off ball on an inbounds play like you can't do that and you especially can't do it with two fouls so it was just and then I guess what that on those nights too what can also happen is Giannis will pick up cheap ones and it'll be I think there's at least some feeling that he's not getting the calls that he deserves offensively that when he's going to the basket guys are putting two hands on him guys are hand checking him and he's not getting those calls and I mean, uh, we've talked about it before. I don't, I don't think he gets a very good whistle um, for as much as he lives in the lane and as many points as he scores in the paint. Like he should be even higher on the free throw list than he is, um, and he isn't. So, like, I can understand the frustration. But the nights where he's not making shots and he feels like that's happening, then off the ball he's grabbing or pushing or doing something else and picking up a cheap one there and then he's just not quite as aggressive. And uh, like you said, they started that second half by running a little curl action for Middleton where he'd come from the baseline, come around a Giannis screen, and then it was Chris and Giannis kind of pseudo pick and roll. And the goal was obviously like get Giannis going. And they got him a dunk. Um, they, they got him two dunks. I guess. Yeah, because the second one didn't come on an alley-oop, but it was another dunk. And the goal was to get him going and it just didn't work out that way. And I mean, I think this is uh, one of those games where everyone that says Giannis needs a jump shot to move to the next level will happily nod their heads and say, yep, I told you so. Um, and uh, I mean, like you said, this one, it'll stick with Giannis and I'm sure this summer he'll go crazy and uh, work out, all the time and try to add some more stuff to his game. And maybe this works as a, as a nice uh, motivator for him. But at the same time, uh, got to get a playoff win at some point. Like you, you just felt like even if this, even if this season as a whole was kind of a lost season and one that wasn't great, like at least you could have taken the consolation of getting a series win out of it. Even if that meant you get swept by the Sixers the, the next round, like at least you got the playoff series win and that didn't happen.
the turning point in the game, ironically, it's kind of ironic to look back on it now, but the Bucks go up 15-10 on, on a couple of Giannis free throws. It's uh, the five-minute mark. Marcus Morris misses a, a contested 23-foot jumper. Giannis should easily grab a rebound. He like mistimes his jump. Terry Rozier gets the offensive rebound. And then Giannis fouls him on an and one play. That was, I think, his uh, I think that was his first foul, or maybe it was his second, but um that was at the five minute mark, and that trigger, that was the start of what was it, like a fifteen two run or something 20 like that. Twenty to two um, twenty to two run, um, triggered by Giannis letting a guy who's, you know, nine inches shorter than him get a rebound and yep. get an and one on him. Um, and you know, the fouls, Giannis is a guy, unfortunately the fouls not only affect his defense, but it affects his offense, as you said. Um, and again, like I, if I'm Giannis, I would never try to post up Marcus Smart. I would face him up immediately because you can't trust that you're going to be able to not like commit an offensive foul because he's going to flop and he's going to beat you to spots. And, um, you know, that, that was just frustrating, but especially on a night, I mean, there is no reason Giannis should get into foul trouble when he's guarding semi Ojale half the night. I mean, that's th- there's no reason. He's just playing free safety after, after the game, you know? Um, it, this is not a night when you get foul trouble, and unfortunately um, it did, and it obviously impacts what he can do on, on both ends. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's a disappointing it's a disappointing end to a season. And, again, it's he it wasn't bad, but, you know, you needed Giannis to be great, and, and he didn't deliver that. And, um, you know, fortunately Middleton was a great version of Middleton, um, with those 32 points and you know probably the most frustrating thing is you finally got Bledsoe to make some shots yep. um, he starts 8 out of 9 finishes 9 out of 12 for 23 points um, did have 4 turnovers but I mean he was a plus 3 the Bucks were good with him on the court they got crushed when he went to the bench um, they were minus 19 in the 14 minutes that he was off the court um, and and obviously we mentioned the deli the deli minutes that they were terrible when deli was on the court so um, you know, good reminder that, you know, just for anybody who thought putting in Della Vadova for Bledsoe when Bledsoe was struggling was some magical answer. I think tonight we saw again, again, Bledsoe's normally not going to make that many shots, but kind of a meter version game for him. And I mean, we uh, do have to live though without knowing whether or not Jennings was the answer. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That, Cause that could have been the case. We just, yeah, we don't, yeah. we'll just never know. Right. I mean, and Bledsoe is still the biggest goat of the series, I think just because no doubt about it. It took him, you know, if he has, if he plays, you know, and he doesn't even have to make shots at this rate, but if he plays good basketball, solid basketball, season average Eric Bledsoe in, you know, game one or <laughs> game I don't, even, I don't even know if you need five, yeah. like then you probably have won the series a couple days ago, <laughs> but, um, but that's not what happened. I don't even know if you need all that. Like just play Rozier even. Yeah. Right. Like, and that wouldn't that wouldn't even be season average Bledsoe. Like, that would have been below average if you just play Terry Rozier even and not let him get loose for these huge games anytime you're in Boston. Like, it, uh, there, there's no doubt that this series kind of. I mean, I, I think it has to sit at Bledsoe's feet. Like, this is as as much as you can try to blame you know some of the role players and another kind of no show from Malcolm Brogdon uh tonight yeah. as Let's well. Let's talk about Brogdon. He he was uh, we talked about him as an X factor last night. Um and Brogdon was bad. I yep. mean, he didn't make shots, you know. Um 
four assists, one turnover. That's probably about as good as his stat line, the good the good part of his stat line. But one out of eight from the field, missed both of his threes, two points in 30 minutes. I mean, he had a longer leash. We talked about, you know, he couldn't play 19 minutes like he did in two of the game losses in Boston. But, um, you know, Brogdon not being a contributor, uh, you know, again, like you're in there because Tony Snell hasn't done anything this series. And yep. you just Tony Snelled your your way through game seven and um you know again like you look at you look at the buck stat lines um you know only four guys made more than two shots tonight Bledsoe, middleton Giannis, obviously and then jabari goes four out of eight you know was kind of whatever um got smoked a couple times defensively uh on the ball by tatum um and, and as part of that huge run and Again, the Bucks generally were terrible when when Jabari was on the court. So, you know, whatever he he wasn't uh, as bad as games one and two Jabari, but certainly was not a positive in this game by any stretch. And uh, you know, goes into I mean, all the questions about Jabari Parker. You know, we'll have to talk about them for a couple months now. Um, all those will continue to uh, to 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 I don't know if haunt is the right word, but. Um, but all those questions are very much open heading into his restricted free agency because, um, you know, I, I, there's nobody. I, if, if, you're, if your takeaway from this series is that Jabari Parker is, you know, still going to be a star in Milwaukee, then, you know, again, I just think we're watching a different player in yeah. a different situation. Because, um, again, like we saw him, we saw how he can be a good role player. Um, but we, I think, also saw that, you know, Giannis and Chris Milton, for a reason, are the guys who are the one and two options and they're the best players on this team and they're the ones who should be taking shots. And, um, again, Jabari, can he be a contributor? Um, yeah, but yeah. for what price, you know? And I think that's, that's a question. And, and again, I think, um, you know, he's, uh, the decision around him is scary. It's still scares the hell out of me because paying him a lot of money, I just don't think that's going to work out. Um, and if you don't pay him a lot of money, then I don't think he's going to be happy. So, um, <laughs> funny enough. so we, we've got it. Yeah, we've got a couple months to worry about that. But um, yeah, tonight again, uh, Jabari, not not like his game one and two worst self. But um, again, not certainly that it was a short list of guys who contributed to, to actually maybe winning this game. And um, I don't think Jabari was one of them, really. Yeah, as I say, funny enough, like it, it's he's another topic that I think is that in this series it was largely emblematic of his entire season like there was there was some just awful moments there was some good moments and then there was a bunch of whole just a a bunch of spots where you're like i wow um i don't know what that guy's gonna be going forward and uh, the guy i just i mean he is he is fascinating and like you said um if you're convinced Jabari Parker is a star going forward, you're watching a different game than I am. Like he 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 may very well end up being uh, being able to find a great role in the NBA and finding a way to contribute to winning basketball. He may be able to find that, um, but I'm just I struggle at times to figure out exactly what it is because um, his inability to get to the free throw line. And his desire to live inside the three-point line, those are two things to me that just make for um, it makes it difficult for me to see a, a super hyper-efficient scorer. And I thought 
before the injury, before the second injury, like I thought there was there was a ch- good chance of that. Like I thought, okay, this guy can be in hy- a hyper efficient score, and now I'm I'm not quite as as sure of that. And on top of that, he's largely a turnstile on defense. And again, maybe like you said, maybe there is a, a good six man in there that can come in, light it up for a little bit, and ultimately score more points than he gives up. But Man, if you think the water is any clearer after after this series, I, I don't know. Like, it feels awfully murky to me as you attempt to figure out exactly what his value is, what he may feel his value is, um, what the Bucks may feel his value is. Like I, I don't know. This is going to be an interesting summer. Um, and uh, man, I don't know. Um, the toughest part about this game is if you look at some of the performances. You know, I mean. Jalen Brown hurts his hamstring, only two points on five shots in 16 minutes. Um, Tatum, I, it was kind of funny. It felt like Tatum was was more effective than kind of his final stat line indicated. 20 points, but only seven out of 17 from the field. So not really an efficient scoring night, but um, seemed to give them important buckets and six rebounds, five assists. Um, he was a game high plus 24. Um, so obviously he was he was certainly you know more than solid. Um, but you know Horford. Just didn't miss shots. Thirteen out of seventeen, and the, the Bucks didn't have an answer for him this whole series. Yeah. like it was yeah. very clear. Like Giannis was in a good matchup for him, and none of the bigs could really do anything with him. Like the only success they had was switching every action onto him, and then continuing to switch and forcing the Celtics to somehow search out his mismatch and just taking too long to get to it, and then just having wasted possessions and. Uh, Opting to do the opposite of that tonight uh, meant Al Horford was going to put his shoulder into whoever was on him. Typically, I mean, at least at the start of the game, Thon Maker put his shoulder into Thon and score right over him. And then, I mean, it was a wrap. Yeah, and um, and then Rozier, who who it didn't. I, I'd be curious what his splits were because again, I was watching on DVR, so I wasn't watching looking at a stat sheet during the game. Um, but I was kind of surprised at 26 points on 16 shots, five out of eight from three. I think most, I think what he had roughly half of those in the fourth quarter. I think he had yeah. 12 in the fourth quarter, um, as the Celtics just sort of laid it on, um, in the fourth quarter and the Bucks, you know, just looked like a road team that was destined to lose. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, unfortunately that, that sort of, this was kind of a fitting way for the season to end. Right. I mean, it, yep. um, as much as the Bucks should kick themselves, for not beating the Celtics team. I mean, this is exactly the kind of team that would lose to the Celtics, right? I mean, a kind of team that never really found a cohesive sort of approach, an identity, um, you <laughs> and know, then did kinda, find one. And yeah. Tossed tossed stumbled, the window. <laughs> stumbled, stumbled into some things that would work, but like weren't smart enough to actually continue to do them. Um, like the switching stuff. And, uh, you know, again, just, you know, just no real, no real faith that this coaching staff, after all this time, was going to magically really turn this team around. And again, like winning winning this first round series would have been kind of a smoke and mirrors job, just given the Celtics' injuries and everything. But um, you know, I would have been pretty hoping, cool with it. I would, yeah, I was really hoping it would happen. Literally, just to get that monkey off yes. Giannis's back and off the franchise's back. I mean, Jesus Christ, this team hasn't won a f- freaking playoff series in seventeen <laughs> years. I mean, that is just like, I mean, that is just such institutionalized failure and mediocrity. It's just yep. unreal. And um, even in the last few years, I mean, they're just a team that just never, 
doesn't know how to play with prosperity, right? No. Nope. They don't know how to play when things are going well. Um, they usually can pick themselves up after things go bad. And I think, you know, that was a that was one of the big positives of this series was obviously the fact that they bounced back every time they lost on the road and came back home and they, they took care of business. But um, certainly not showing a lot of intestinal fortitude on the road. Um, and, um, you know, again, they, they just, you know, a team that just doesn't look like it knows how to win coaching staff that just didn't know how to get its team to win. And, um, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, again, like they were too good to, to get like crushed in the first round, but, um, they're just too frustrating and undisciplined and, you know, poorly coached to, to actually get over the top. And again, a, a season full of, not being able to get over the hump and and that's exactly how the first you know the the, the playoffs ended as well yeah it's, uh, oof, man what a what a way to end it all um and it's it, it'll i think ultimately and again i'm sure we'll do a kind of season recap in the coming days but there was there was something uh strangely familiar about watching a well-coached team put up a wall against Giannis and see him get frustrated offensively um, and then see him on the other side of the ball um, attempting to figure out what just happened on any number of plays. Like, how did that guy get open? Oh, that guy's open again. Well, I'm on semi Ojale who can't play offensively, and I'm trying to help from the backside, and I still can't really make an impact like as it's it's just uh yeah it, it was it was the way the bucks were destined to go out yeah and it's staff from our friend dean money at uh, joe prunty cycled through 16 different lineups in game seven 16 the bucks top five in minutes lineups 35 total minutes had a net rating of plus 19.2 points per 100 the bucks remaining 11 line 11 lineups 13 total minutes had a net rating of 95.2 and that's how you lose a game seven. And, you know, basically that's, again, a, a similar story for the season. If you look at all the Bucks' most used lineups, they're actually all generally very good. Um, but as soon as the Bucks sort of go to things other than their kind of starters and sort of kind of minor variants of their starters, um, everything goes to hell. And, and again, that's uh, that's what we saw tonight. And, um, you know, the Bucks were, were true to themselves <laughs> in this loss, right? They lost this game the way they lost the whole season. And, um, you know, again, just sort of underscoring the need for changes, you know. And uh, The good news is they already fired their coach. Like, Joe Prunty is not gone, but Jason Kidd was fired. And yeah. uh, there's there's no reason to believe Joe Prunty will be back. It is not official yet, but... Um, that's going to be the most attractive job on the market. So if you're hoping for a coaching reset, and God, I, I think today would certainly make you hope for that. Um, it's coming. Yeah. All right. It's Saturday night. I think I'm done with talking about the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Have a glass of wine or something. or a, I, I'm thinking I'm going to have a beer after this. Um, ice cream. I'm going ice cream. Ooh. I'm not a big drinker, so I'm just going to eat Go sugar. Go ice cream. And, yes. Uh, just like weep into a uh, tub of of ice cream. No, I only have. Uh, I don't, uh, that image is funnier. Like if I could maybe, if I could. <laughs> Do you like, think that, is there an Arby's close by that you I was could gonna say, eat, get I, there? I was gonna say if I, if I could like get like just a big like tub, like not even like a not like a like one of those like you know Briars sized tubs, but like when you go to like the grocery store and you could buy like the like really cheap like store brand like massive um, tub of like vanilla ice cream. 
and uh, just take one of those and just get a big old spoon, drive to a, an Arby's out in Fredonia or something, and just <laughs> go into a stall in the bathroom and just start get a good cry on, eat that, eat that, eat that gallon of ice cream, and just just sort of cry softly and have the manager come in, ask what the hell's going on, and say, you know. Uh, it's been a uh, trying season. It's, so been a, it's been a tough season. <laughs> it's been a tough season. I got done mashing that fast forward button, and um, I'm just trying to work through some things myself now, sir. Uh, all right. I'm happy I can. That's stu- a great. That's a great image to end the season. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm happy I can still laugh, Frank. I'm happy I'm, I can still laugh. All right, Bucks lose. 112 96 in game seven. Everything is disappointing. So uh, we will. Uh, We'll transition to off-season lockdown bucks. Um, we have a, a conversation scheduled with Coach Whisperer Eric Benning coming up um, because the Bucks will be looking for a new coach. So we'll go through all of that. Um, maybe this week, maybe next week. I'm trying to figure exactly when we'll run that, um, but we can kind of figure that out. And uh, in the meantime, we'll watch the NBA playoffs, which should be fun because we don't have to watch the Bucks play basketball anymore. So. I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully you all are as well. All right. Bucks lose game 7, 112-96. Season's over. We will still talk to you tomorrow, though. For Frank, I'm Eric. This has been Lockdown Bucks. Talk to you tomorrow.